Well, what a opportunity to have this amazing guest on the line today for our podcast. This gentleman has been a mentor. He's been in, uh, he's been my own coach for a number of times, and I always refer back to a lot of his material that he's he's taught me over the years. And it is Dr. Fred Gross. Dr. Fred Gross, for the last thirty years, has been assisting companies on on many different levels. A uh, business psychotherapist. Um, really helping them, uh, training and their coaching from strategic planning, from team um, and execution de- development, you name it, he's done it. He's traveled the world, he's, he's shared and he's presented on the world stages. Dr. Fred Gross, really appreciate your time being on the call today. Thank you, James. Good to Wonderful. see you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, Dr. Fred, I know in Australia you're, you're a big name and uh, there's, there's not too many people that don't know you out in the, in the industry, but if you could share a little bit about us, the, the journey of how you got to where you are today, it'd be good to just to recap on and some key milestones that have really shaped you to got you where you are today. Okay. James, I've been, I started working in this field in the early 70s. I finished a graduate school of training at the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland, and I opened a marriage and family practice in Phoenix, Arizona. I was the rabbi of Scottsdale as a hobby. I did it for free. And for business, I was a psychotherapist and trainer. And in my psychotherapy and training, I had about 5,000 supervised hours. Part of my early training was sitting with people who are psychiatrists and psychologists, mostly in the mental health field starting, uh, who watched my work and saw that I didn't contaminate it with my issues and agendas. So in the early 70s, I started doing marriage and family work. I opened the first practice in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, found a lot of business people coming. And the business people had the same problems in their marriage as they had in their office. They were controlling, they were power hungry, they didn't focus on what their tasks were, they didn't understand dollar productivity, And so they used to invite me to their business, and I was able to, with the people who worked with me and who listened, I was able to achieve 100 to 300% increases in profitability in a year because I would take the principle from basically uh, supervising the coffee making to going to country clubs and making talks and finding customers and being a rainmaker. And when they started doing that, instead of wasting time, it's astronomically appreciated. So I was coming out of the medical model and I moved into the business model and I found that while I've worked at universities and I've worked in hospitals uh, and I've worked in medical schools, I found that the entrepreneurs I work with, mostly in real estate and other things like insurance, uh, accounting practices, law practices, relatively small businesses were much more responsive and they were more interested in learning than my university people and my government people. So I started off then, and as I began to get invited into different speaking engagements, I started speaking in the automotive industry and in the insurance industry, I started attracting a lot of people who said they wanted business work, but most of the work was around finding purpose in life, finding out how to uh, accumulate money, how to manage a family, how to deal with teenage kids, how to deal with drug problems, how to deal with marriage issues, all of which I'd been trained in. So I basically was working with business people 
in the 360-degree spectrum of their families, their business, their staffs, their kids, their parents, their inheritances. And uh, I started pulling in advisors as well who would specialize. But I was the one who sort of wrote up the fact that you have a will, uh, how you're paying your taxes. Uh, do you know what, how to read a profit and loss statement? You're a business person. Most of them couldn't. And so that started in the 80s. And then I came to New Zealand, invited by the medical school in 1980 to train psychotherapists. And I moved quickly to being able to establish myself with Ford Motor, Toyota Motor, um, AMP Insurance, Harcourts, and in the 80s, basically. And uh, also, it allowed me to move from Phoenix to basically to Christchurch, New Zealand, where I live. As that proceeded, I met different people. One of the people I started working with was John McGraw in the early 90s. And we together dreamed up the Eric. This whole presentation came because I invited John to San Francisco to be introduced as the hero of Australia. And he said we should do NAR, National Association of Realtors, in Australia. I said, okay, let's do it. And that's how we set up Eric, which is now, I think, at 20 anniversaries. Wow. Um, the, the progression was organic uh, from my speaking and from my personal interest, which is part of my destiny. What I do as a teacher is teach people not to have regrets, i.e. to find out how to live a life, how to fund it with the money they earn, how not to waste it by being busy rather than dollar productive, and how to have beloved relationships. And part of what I do in a beloved relationship would be personal, but in the office, to have office staff that want to be there, otherwise get rid of them, because they're, otherwise you have the toxic waste of people who are paying their rent and poisoning your office. Mm. Is that a start? I've been doing this again love for it. a long time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Along the way, I picked up a PhD. That was <laughs> just, just throw that one in as you go, as you go. Um, Dr. Fred, on your journey, and you can see the progression, have you noticed – well, what notice and what changes have you noticed since when you first started in the in the business field to where now? Because what I'm hearing is you said there's you know helping people not to live a life of regret and and really that purposeful and meaningful lives. Have you noticed much changes from the last 10, 15, 20 years in doing what you've been doing? When I started, James, I was the first coach in America. There was nobody doing the work. So I sort of introduced it, just like the word dollar productive behavior. That's something I coined. So when I started, this wasn't the field. This was also a time of stagflation and all kinds of issues. So in the 70s, we had 18% interest rates and all kinds of interesting issues. What I found out is that many more people are making money now than they did then, and the numbers are bigger than the people that I work with. I also found out that as people make more money, they don't necessarily have a purpose for money. So that coming on a first-name basis with money, and what I teach around money is to use money as an energy where you can buy assets and then live off the assets. The purpose in working with me is to build an asset base so that within 10 years, you can live from your income from assets. You'll find that most uh, people piss their money away. They buy gold toilet seats, they buy cocaine, they do all kinds of weird stuff. They don't know what to do with money because it's like tits on a boat. And so part of my training is we have many more people making more money with all kinds of options, internet and 
uh, all kinds of ways you can spend money, a lot more travel than people used to do. And most people don't have a clue. They come from poor backgrounds and they sort of live poor even though they have bigger, more zeros. And the transition is there are many more people doing that, especially in real estate. When a property used to sell for $300,000 and now is selling for $3 million, you, you have more zeros and more money to work with. And coming to terms with it has been a real challenge for people. A lot of the business people cannot read a financial statement. They're not business people. They're salespeople who happen to have a business. True, true. So my and, experience over time is there are many more of them. And what do you think is that? Why do you think that? Is it just because they don't have that experience? They don't have the knowledge? They don't have the skills? They don't have... Why do you think it? people find it hard to actually um, have that purpose, have that, have that drive, know, know what to do? Why, why, why don't you think people have those resources? They see themselves as salespeople. Um, so that if they're selling real estate or selling insurance or selling cars or selling whatever they're doing, insurance, they see them as insurance people or selling a product rather than owners of a business and creators of wealth. And when they look and step back and see themselves as creators of wealth, uh, they basically see themselves often, because they come from poor backgrounds, as really salaried employees that happen to do commissions. They haven't shifted to being entrepreneurs in their heads, even though their income levels and what they do is entrepreneurial. So we have then a transformation of consciousness where people go from basically prospect list, negotiate, sell, to having other people do that for them and they do it as well or set up a business where they delegate pieces of the work, they give, give away what I call the busy work that is not dollar productive, they build systems together and they're interested in net income uh, before tax as it were and that with that net income a certain 20 to 30, 40% is invested for the future. So that at a certain point in time, Work is not for money, work is for purpose, beyond money. Now, to make that transition requires a different kind of thinking than going out and listing a property or selling an insurance policy. And in, it's not taught in the schools, it's not taught if you're making good money, why do I have to learn how to do the business? It usually comes because you're overwhelmed or you're bored or you've had enough already that you don't want to spend time in people's sitting rooms. And sometimes they're propelled by crisis, by embezzlement, by divorce, to rethink how to do that. And the people I work with, I help them rethink becoming business people and investors. It doesn't happen naturally. Um, it's more likely that they're working 60 or 70 hours a week, of which only 10 hours a dollar productive, a lot of it's wasted time. Then they're exhausted, they don't have the brain power to sit and redesign a business that they can build and scale up so that they can earn the money from employees and from assets. And that's a different kind of thinking. Many people can do it if they choose to, but it sort of doesn't seem important. I'm making a good living, I have friends, I have a lifestyle, why bother? It's not seen as essential until there's a crisis. Crisis yeah. means they can bankrupt somebody embezzles and they're forced to rethink. Totally, totally. Um, what? Really interesting, and it needs a coaching process. Yeah, and that's, most people, even if they want to, don't know how. Totally, and that's what I love about your work, Doctor Fred. Is is looking at that consciousness level and looking at, at that, as you said, the different the different hats and the different roles that we play within ourselves. You know, from the from the 
sales lister, the sales agent, to the business owner, to all your different consciousness, all the different hats that you need to wear and, and looking at your, your life within those different roles and those different hats. When we talk about those different hats, Dr. Fred, one of them is, is leadership. And I know that you've, you, you do some amazing work with business owners around leadership. Can you share us with the, with the audience about your idea and your ideals on leadership and what that actually means? I have difficulty with that. I find a lot of business people spend time, waste time being leaders of people who are going to be there for a year. So the first level is who do you bother leading since the turnover among the millennials is about one year. And so one is for me to set up a culture of long-termers. And then you have to go to either older people or have an infrastructure of people who are going to be there. Then we can train them. And then leadership would be to train them to find out what their goals are, what their hopes are, what their dreams are, what their wealth plan is, and what their life purpose is so they don't have regrets. So I would be then teaching the people how to coach the people who are stayers. Don't even bother with people less than a year because it's a waste of money. Most of my people make a thousand or two thousand dollars an hour dollar productive. To train someone who makes twenty-five dollars an hour is going to leave in six months is a waste of time. And people do it out of righteousness and stupidity. So what I would like is that a good leadership person says First of all, that I live the life I'm teaching so that I, Fred, spend time being dollar productive. I have a written ideal day. I have a written 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. You can I have my calendars. I have all of my trips planned. I have my investments planned. And I do what I'm teaching. And I train people as I would want other leaders to show people how to be investors, how to be wealthy and how to design a life worth living, how to be a beloved, how to see the entire world as your home. I personally live in five separate countries. So in a normal year, I'm in five different countries, from New Zealand, Australia, the United States, Bali, and Cambodia. And then I go to Europe every second year. We're going to we have workshops in Italy and in Greece. And so part of the leadership role is for the person teaching to do what they're talking about rather than just BS. And two, not see it as a way of avoiding being dollar productive or social work. We're in a profit-making business to train people to find out what their goals are and how they fit in after they've proved themselves by being around for a while. I find that a lot of the roles of the non-selling principle is that of a janitor or a useless person who doesn't know what to do with themselves. When they were selling, they're making $1,000 an hour. When they're a janitor, they may be making it from the team, but they don't know what to do with themselves. What they should be doing is buying new businesses, buying new rent rolls, investing in uh, developments, um, traveling the world. One of my multi-million dollar people believes that 2019 is going to be a crash in Australia. So he is not investing in developments. So he's cleaning up 2018. And our discussion was, what are you going to do with 2019? You have plenty of money. And we decided he's going to take a year off and take his kids out of school and travel the world for a year and have it the best year of their life. Fantastic. That makes a lot of sense. To me. And he'll come back not having participated in the downturn with his capital intact and go back to work in 2020. Yep. It was like a brand new idea for him. Wonderful. Okay. That would be a form of leadership because his staff will go on asleep and they can take more time off and do things. 
totally, totally. And that's what I love it, it, is, is what you said is it's a really about doing, leading by example. You know, you, you want your team to do this. Well, what are you doing? Have a look at your, your own mirror and look at, have you set up your idle weeks? Have you set up your, your, your goals for the next year following you and following? How are you walking that talk? And I think what I see a lot of uh, business owners, they, they want this, but their actions and their, their abilities are completely, completely misaligned. So yeah, totally agree. Um, Dr. Fred, what's coming, what's coming up for you? What's, what's on your agenda over the next, uh, next few months? I know you're, you're doing a bit of a, you're coming to Australia and what's coming up over the next, say, three to six months? Okay. I'm in Australia four times a year. I run seminars mostly in Melbourne and Sydney. I'm also speaking at Eric. I'll be interviewed by John McGraw on stage. This will be about my fifth or seventh time there. That will be in Queensland. Yeah. Um, in addition to coming to Australia, I have a seminar in Bali the first two weeks of June. And then I have two weeks in Cambodia where we sponsor a lot of kids through school. And I have a seminar in Siem Rip. Then I come back for a few weeks and then come back to Australia again. It's one of the four times a year. Then I go to the U.S. for two weeks. And then I spend a month in Italy and Greece. September. Then I come back to the U.S. for a few weeks, and then I go back to New Zealand, now we're into October, for a few weeks. And then I come back to Australia for a few weeks, then I go back to Cambodia for a few weeks, and then it's Christmas. <laughs> now, in all places, it's set up as a business expense, so I have seminars, and my business pays for my wife and myself to live on and do our charitable work and do our seminars. And we usually bring people from around the world. So people from America, we used to be much more before 2008, but most of the people are from Australia and New Zealand. Fantastic. So it's an interesting 2018. It's certainly an interesting 2018. Dr. Fred, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate uh, your worlds of wisdom. I'm sure we could, we could be, be speaking all day and, and uh, getting some, some further insights. But for the listeners out there, go and check it out, drfredgross.com and uh, make sure you book your tickets for Eric. Uh, he's an amazing presenter. To have been interviewed by John McGrath and, and just to find out some further pearls of wisdom, go and check it out. Uh, really, again, really appreciate your time, energy, and uh, your insights, Dr. Fred. Thank you very much. Thank you, James. And good luck with your 250K run, kid. Thank I you, like man. that you do your over and out. 